Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4 and get into verse 14. Last week we did, we ended, finished, ended up finishing up verse 13. And I actually figured out part of the reason why this is taking longer than it used to. And it's not because I have so much more to say, but it dawned on me. We added worship on Wednesday nights. That's what it was. We added worship. And so it's not worship's fault, but we added that in. Well, actually, it's kind of worship's fault. No, it's not their fault. It just, we added it in and it took that much because we used to just show up on Wednesday night and just start teaching right away. And we could get through a few more uh, verses um, when we did that because of the ability of that time being there. I mean, I prefer worship, how about you, you know, uh, to have it. So I'm not saying anything against the worship team by any means. Uh, but it just dawned on me. I was talking to Heidi. I'm like, I know why. We added worship. Yeah, it all came as a revelation. So last week we taught through verse 13 and saw that the strength that we have in Christ Jesus, the strength that we do have in Christ Jesus. The Passion Translation said in Philippians 4.13, it said it this way, I find that the strength of Christ's explosive power infuses me to conquer every difficulty. Aren't we grateful for that? Uh, in the Greek, it actually says this. Bob Yandian put it this way. I'm strong for all things in the one who constantly infuses strength in me. So this strength is a daily thing. It's not just a I got strength on Wednesday, I got strength on Sunday. No, you consistently are being fed, and that spirit of Christ lives in you. The more you cooperate with him, obviously, the more benefit you get out of the graces that he has provided for us. The significance of verse 13 is found in the fact that Paul's ability to overcome in life's adversities did not come through self-sufficiency, but through Christ's sufficiency. This strengthening was part of Paul's ongoing Christian experience and was rooted in his being united with Christ. So we're going to move to verse 14. Now in context for verse 14 and even for the rest of or even verse 13 and the others, Paul is talking about the offering that the Philippian church sent to them. Now in verse 13 specifically he's saying it doesn't matter the circumstance I receive uh, I receive strength from Christ to go through not having enough material needs to having too many material needs and we're, or uh, material blessings and things. Um, and we understand that. We, what we understood through all of it was very simply this, is that in the context of what's being talked about, Paul was basically saying, need is not my God and abundance is not my God. God is my God. Because some people are so infatuated with all their needs, they can't even see God. And some people are so infatuated with everything they have, they don't see God. And either way, it's wrong. Does that make sense? So either way, it's wrong. So in verse 14, um, we're gonna, he's going to actually, it's actually going to go into uh, more of what Paul was talking about in regards to the actual monetary offering that was given to him. How many have read, I think it's in Timothy, Paul, I, don't, I think it's in 2 Timothy, it might be 1 Timothy, but 1 and 2 Timothy are some of Paul's last letters, did you know that? Before he was a martyr for Christ, before he was executed. And in those letters, he's telling Timothy, he's saying, look, these are the things I want you as a young minister to know, or a younger than him minister, okay? 
Um, and he's going through all these details of things. And one of the things, statements he made in there is he said, I did not covet anyone's gold or silver. You ever read that in there in the New Testament? Do you know why he said that? Because offerings were given to him of what? And it says no one's possessions, which means they took their possessions and did what? Gave them to him. Now, we, we have kind of a different perspective on some of these things because of how, you know, you know, Paul didn't, when he started his traveling ministry, he didn't contact the IRS. Okay? There was no IRS. <laughs> you know what I mean? Paul wasn't like, um, you know, ministers, fill out your 501c3. Get a good lawyer. You know, none of that. They, they just, it was in the culture, especially the Jews. Now, the Gentiles had to learn it, but the Jews understood supporting ministries. They supported and, and prophets and things. I mean, you read in the Old Testament about the, the lady that built onto her house so the prophet could stay at her house. You know, they understood these type of things. They understood what it meant to provide for God's uh, 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 ministers and things like that. And they understood that it was for the Lord. And so we're going to see this in here. That Paul's going to go into this and start talking about this off, these offerings specifically. Um, and what they, uh, what they are. And uh, basically putting emphasis, um, you'll see this, but we do not put emphasis on natural things above spiritual. But God will and does care for our natural desires. Now, the most important thing in the world is not that you die with a Porsche. The most important thing you, in the world is that you die with Christ. Okay? So you can be raised with him. Amen? God's not against Porsches. I don't even know if God has, likes cars. I, I have no idea. I think he just thinks we like them, and so he gave somebody the idea. He knew it would help our efficiency in doing things and our enjoyment of things. So we put spiritual things first... But God does meet our natural desires and needs. Amen? And we're going to see this. So Paul says this in verse 14. He says, Nevertheless, you have done well that you have shared in my distress. Philippians uh, 4.14 in the Mirror Bible says this. It says, Now I am not saying that I need, I did not need or appreciate your help. Your joint particip participation in my difficult times was like beautiful poetry to me. The Passion Translation says it this way. It says, you've so graciously provided for my essential needs during this season of difficulty. So while self-sufficiency is the goal of each believer, we must always be willing to help others. Self-sufficiency does not mean you only depend on God and do not receive the gifts of men. The gifts of men are the actions of God. Did you know that? When God supplies our need, it is not but by money and provisions falling from the sky through the hand, but rather through the hands of men. How many have ever had money rain out of a tree on you? You know, the money tree. Okay? It's, if, if you had manna fly out of heaven for you, it's a rarity. In fact, I'll just put it to you like this. Manna coming out of heaven is a miracle. God's desire is that you live in the promised land. How much manna came out of heaven for the Israelites after they were in the promised land? In fact, they weren't even supposed to be out there. 
They were supposed to be in eating fields that they didn't plant, living in houses they didn't build. Come on. That was God's original goal. And people say, well, God took them the long way around. No, he didn't. They went the long way around. God knows the shortcut. We screw that up. <laughs> Luke 6.38, give and it shall be given to you what? Good measure, pressed down, shaken together. Notice it doesn't say a portion, a, a nice, uh, maybe a half, a, uh, maybe a little measure. No, don't press it down. We don't want them to be greedy. Don't shake it together. When you're pressing something down after it's full, good measure, you received a good measure, then you get it what? Pressed and then shaken. What does that mean? You made more room in the container. How many have done this before in cooking or, you know, extra ice cream? No, you can't really do that. Press it down. Yeah. You can press it down. You just can't really shake it together. Yeah. <laughs> And running over will be put into your bosom for with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. And that's through the hands of men. Amen? While in his financially destitute situation, Paul was helped out by the Philippian saints who sent him a great amount of money even though they themselves faced lack. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 1. This is the account of what the Philippians did for the church at Mas for or the church from Macedonia, the Philippians, what they did for Paul. And I believe he was in Thessalonica at the time. It might have been a different time, but I believe this was what it was. But Paul makes this statement in 2 Corinthians 8:1. He said, Moreover, telling the Corinthians, how would you like that? What if I stood up and said, by the way, uh, Faith Chapel gave this much to missions last year? Because Paul did it right here to the Corinthians. He's not writing to the church at Macedonia here. Or I'm talking about the Philippian church. He's writing to the Corinthians. And he says this. He says, moreover, brethren, we, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. That in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. For I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift and the fellowship of the ministering of, to the saints. And not only as we had hoped, but they first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us by the will of God. Now, I find this interesting. This is interesting to me. You think about this. Paul wrote this to the Corinthians. You know what the deal was with the Corinthians? The Corinthians were so sensitive about money, Paul actually had to get a job to preach there. If you know your history, you say, what do you mean by that? He actually was a tent maker with Aquila and Priscilla. And that's not two women. That's a man and a woman, husband and wife. <laughs> Sometimes people wonder. You know, if I said, this is my friend Aquila, you might, you know, if you didn't see a picture, you might think, that's a girl. <laughs> At least I would. Maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> but anyway, they were a husband and wife tent making team. Paul had to work with him. Why? Because the Corinthians were so money sensitive that if he even mentioned it, he knew they'd be shut off to the gospel. So instead of shutting them off or shutting the gospel off to, off to them, uh, or basically 
offending them, or they would be offended, I guess I should be, should say it that way, because really, Paul preaching, the, preaching about money is not offensive, it's just how it's received, okay? So, Paul, in this situation, he didn't, he, he, he said, I'm going to work, and the Philippians heard about it, and in the midst of that, they sent him an offering when they didn't have much money. Now, read this with me, and I'll read it. Uh, uh, in verse 2, 2 Corinthians 8, 2, he says that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Verse 3, for I bear witness that according to their ability, yes, and what? Beyond their ability, they gave. Now, Paul also said people should give as such as they have. Yet here he brags on the Philippians that they gave beyond what they had. Now, that's a thought. That should make you think, right? That should make us go, okay, what is he saying here? Is it this or is it this? Because I hear most people preach the other one. Probably I've preached, I've probably preached the other one more. You know, give according to what you have. Because you don't want people to step out in foolishness. But at, yet at the same time, if God leads you to do something that is outside the realm of what you might consider your budget, you need to be open to that. And that's what the Philippian church did. Now watch this. How, do, how did they do this? I like this progression here. And we'll get into more on uh, verse 14. But I just want to see this. I want you to see this here in 2 Corinthians 8. He says this. He said, imploring us with much urgency that we would receive the gift. So they, basically they sent a letter saying, please don't send this back. Okay? Don't send this back. And he said, the gift and the what? Fellowship of the ministering to the, that money did what? Ministered to saints. It gave, now you might think, you know, in today's society, we, you know how we think. We think like this. Uh, when people are giving, in the church world to a large degree, but then also in the, in the uh, secular world when it comes to giving. They think, okay, if I give money to someone... You better be like feeding and clothing homeless children. You better be making sure that you're doing all these specific things. I want to see something for what my money's doing. Now, I'm not saying Paul didn't uh, minister to the poor because I believe he did. Now, a lot of what we might call ministering to the poor today might be a little different than what they did then. Because in all honesty, I think their ministering to the poor was more to the poor in the church than it was outside of the church. Now, you can study it out for yourself and see what you think. I'm not saying that's a hard-line doctrine. It's just something that I kind of noticed, you know, talking about, you know, like we have prison ministry today and visiting people in prison. Why were they visiting people in prison in the early church? Because the Christians were in prison. Now, I'm not saying we shouldn't go to prisons and minister. Of course we should. But predominantly, that's what that's talking about in that time. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't apply today and the truth doesn't lean over and flip over into where we're at today, because it does. Obviously, Paul got sent to prison and lots of heathens got saved because the place fell apart. <laughs> okay? So we need to be aware of that. But what we're seeing here is that he ministered to the saints. So they gave this immense offering to Paul, and it was a good one. It was a big one. And what did it give him the ability to do? It gave him the ability to preach and pray more. It did. 
It freed... Paul didn't start an orphanage in Corinth that I'm aware of. See, and I I know, because, you know, this is getting you to think, and I'm glad about it. But you think about this, because we think this way. We think, oh, yeah, well, if the money, then we need to build an orphanage. Now, if you're called to do it, you should do it. But what I'm saying is, is we cannot narrow down to one thing in our religious thinking that this is where this needs to go, and this is what it's for. Does that make sense? we got to be aware of that. Um, and be thinking in terms of biblical things, not just, not just uh, religious things. So out of this, why did the money come? Paul says it right here. He said they gave themselves, in verse 5, to who? To the Lord and then to us. Paul did what? Or the flipping church did what? They gave themselves to the Lord and then to Paul and his ministry team. So what does, do you see the pattern here? Man, it is so real to me. It jumped out to me when I was reading this. People sometimes go, I like this church. Why? Well, you know, they have people our age. That sounds just like verse 5 in 2 Corinthians 8. See, we have actually, in the church here in America, have actually kind of rewrote the Bible to how we want it to be. We've actually inserted cultural normalities into the scriptures instead of doing what the Bible says. So if you're a disciple of the Lord, that means you've given yourself to the Lord, then you give yourself where? To a person as the Lord directs. I don't know if I like that word. That's how God leads. So I've, I've watched this happen so many times through the years. I watched it happen in, uh, when I worked for Terry. As a superintendent, we'd have pe- Christians, and they were Christians, and they heard from the Lord on certain things. They were young in their Christianity, but they definitely heard from the Lord on things. And they would, they would come to me, and they'd go, I know I'm supposed to work with you. Okay. The Lord told me I'm supposed to work with you. Okay. And then they leave, because the Lord told them something else three months later, because they didn't like the schedule. So you're telling me God changed his mind in three months because your flesh got uncomfortable. I don't think so. Last time I followed the Lord into something that he told me to do, he didn't let me leave until I broke. You say, where was that? I was a youth pastor. (laughs) You, You stay until you break. When you break, then you can go on. People say, how long do I have to stay at your church, Sean? (laughs) Soon as we break you, and the Lord says, you can go. You know, sometimes people imagine, oh, you know, they're like, I got to go to that church, or I got to go to this job. 
Have you ever considered what the people that work with you think? It's the Wednesday night crowd. We can do this. <laughs> I know your life is tough, but you ever, have you ever considered what the other people are experiencing? It's easy to become self-focused, right? It's easy to become that way. So we got to be aware of that. we got to be uh, aware of these things. And if you're going to be strong in the Lord, you have to give yourself to the Lord first and then to whoever he tells you to give yourself to by his will. Now, not just everybody. And I'm not saying people can walk up to you and go, thus saith the Lord, and you just follow it. That's not what I'm saying. I'm say I mean, I know uh, there are several situations I know of personally that where people have come to me and said, God told me, or come to another minister and said, God told me to be in this place or in this place. And they, they abandon ship like in, in a few months because it gets uncomfortable or in a few years because, man, it's just not going the way I thought it would. That's why people abandon Paul. They're like, have you seen the ministry of Paul and the people that are raised up and excuse me, the cripples that are healed, and all of these different things, and then they get beat up once. They're like, I'm out of here, man. It ain't worth that. Can you imagine Silas when Mark left and Paul and Barnabas got in their spat in Acts? Remember that one? Where they split ways because Barnabas wanted to keep his, little, his relative on, on, on a staff, and, John, and Paul was like, no way. He abandoned us back there. He don't get a go with me. And Paul and Barnabas, who were who were close in ministry, went, okay, we're going different directions. It said they had a disagreement. <laughs> it's the Bible's way of saying they, they were like, this ain't working, see ya. And, and Barnabas went with Mark, and there's all sorts of theories about who was right and who was wrong, I don't care. But anyway, it says that when they went down to visit the church in the book of Acts, it says that Silas went with them to this area, and they were ministering. Then they get in the fight. Then they split ways. And Silas and another uh, minister, I think they were both prophets, actually, if I remember right. But they were ministers, and they ministered and preached in this area with Paul and Barnabas and Mark. And, and when, they, when, they, when they, it says this, when, that they, uh, uh, de when they departed, it actually says Silas felt like he was supposed to stay. Before, now watch this. Before Paul and Barnabas ever got in a fight, Silas just, the Holy Spirit told Silas to stay. Which means God knew what? Paul and Barnabas are about to go blow for blow. And God's going, Silas, stay put. And Silas is like, yes, Lord. Thank you for your plan. I'm a, I'm a man of God. I follow the Spirit of God. I don't leave. I don't abandon anything. And then, you know... Paul and Barnabas are like, bam, go separate ways because Barnabas wanted John Mark and, and Paul didn't and Silas is available and Paul said, I'll take you, Silas. You know, people get promoted in ministry just by being where they're supposed to be. <laughs> and so he, he, he takes him and they go and they do some awesome stuff and then they get beat up. And John Mark went home to mommy when that happened, but Silas stayed put. You think I'm making this up? Go back and read it. It's what happened. Mark, John Mark could not handle the pressure of ministry. And so he had to sit on the sidelines for a while and be trained up. And, be, and then later on, we see Paul say, say, send John Mark to me. He's useful to me. That's a nice compliment, isn't it? Basically, what Paul's saying is, send him out. He's grown up. 
So even if you get out of the will of God, what does that say? You can get back in. Even though his dependence rested in God, Paul was wise enough to know that God works through people. In fact, in this verse, verse Philippians 4.14, he used a term related to the normal word for partnership, which is koinonia. That's what that means. So this is where we get what? Ministry partners. You're partnering with. Now watch, whatever Paul did in ministry to the Corinthians, the Philippians had it added to their account. Do you see that? So wherever you partner financially, okay? So I heard this, I heard a minister say one time, like for instance, let's just go back to Billy Graham. Whoever partnered with Billy Graham financially got, got credit for every soul that he led to the Lord. You could have been a worldwide evangelist with your dollar. That's money. That's what money can do in the right hands. The Life in the Spirit New Testament commentary says this. He saw the Philippians' gift as more than just a token duty. It, is signify, it signified that the church really did have him in their hearts. They were partners sharing in his difficulties. The word troubles is used here in the typical Pauline sense, pointing to hardship, persecution, or suffering. <laughs> just all the things we want in ministry, you know. I want to be a famous preacher and drive around in limousines. I want to be, I want to have my own, and I'm not against ministers having their own jet. I want to have my own jet. I want to have my own, you know, I'm going to live in, 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 and this is because we see this as, at times we see this as this is what ministry is. There are the blessings of ministry. Paul enjoyed great wealth at times in his, I'm talking about great wealth. At one point, in fact, after all the Isle of uh, Patmos thing, or not Patmos, Island of Melita, all of that stuff where Paul was shipwrecked and all of that, after that, they actually were loaded down with money. That island, Paul had a revival on that island. People were healed and delivered, set free. That's where he got bit by the snake and shook it off. The venom didn't hurt him. People thought he was a criminal. Then he thought they thought he was a god. See, this is all the benefits of being a good disciple for Christ. You get to be thought of as a criminal, then a god. You get beat up, then you get blessed, then you get beat up, then you get blessed. <laughs> you get to go preach in places where they give you an offering, and then they'll make you work for a living, and then you... Wow! Put me out front, Lord! <laughs> if you don't have fear of God, you won't stay. I'm talking about where God puts you. I'm not talking about people's opinion. You won't stay. You don't have time. You won't. You, there's no sticking. You got to have sticking power. And God will put you in a place to see if you'll stick. People say, oh, no, no, no. God would never do that. He's all about my comfort. He's the comforter. <laughs> He's my comforter. He comforts. We just cuddle and comfort each other. Some people think God's a cat. <laughs> cats are too moody. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, getting off cats. He's my comforter. He'll just, you know, here's the thing. 
if all of your understanding of the comforter is in the natural, circumstantial, then you don't know the comforter. Because he comforts you in the midst of troubles and trials. The nature of the flesh is to try and make everything super easy. Have you noticed that? Comfortable. Don't, Don't interrupt me. Don't bother me. As disciples, we should be open to the Lord and his leading to help other believers and ministers who are in trouble when we have the ability to do so. Or just in general, whether they're in trouble or not. Let's go on to verse 15. It ties in here. Paul says this, Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel when I departed from Macedonia, no church or assembly shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. That word shared means to enter into partnership. In this last mention of his partnership with the Philippians, Paul gives a brief history of the Philippian church's partnership account of giving and receiving. Do you see that? Giving and receiving. That giving and receiving could be, uh, could be translated depositing and withdrawing. Giving and receiving with him and his ministry. When a believer puts his money into the ministry of another believer, he shares in their rewards. Remember we saw this in 2 Corinthians 8, 4, the fellowship of what? Ministering to the saints. When Paul left Macedonia and ended up in Athens and then Corinth, he was broke and no longer had his friends with him. To help with the finances, he began to make tents with his newly found companions in the ministry, Aquila and Priscilla. He did this through the week and ministered on weekends in Corinth. He could have received offerings from the Corinthian believers, but they were so touchy about money that he would rather work than offend them and keep them from receiving the word of God. It was during this time that the Philippians sent a large offering to Paul, allowing him to quit the tent-making business. No church came to his aid during this time except the Philippians. Now think about this. He planted how many churches and went through how much hell to get it done? Okay? The the wonderful thing about the way that the kingdom of God is set up is that when when we partner with a ministry financially, we what? Share in the rewards of all that ministry accomplishes. So what does that mean? That means the Philippians got the reward or part of the reward, shared reward with Paul and the mantle of the apostle in planting the church in the Corinthian uh, town with the Corinthians in Corinth. They shared in that harvest that was accrued to their eternal reward. Isn't that great? Verse 16 says this, Paul Paul said this, he said, For even in Thessalonica you sent aid once and again for my necessities. The Passion Translation says it this way. It says, When I was in Thessalonica you supported me for well over a year. The Amplified says, for even in Thessalonica, you sent me contributions for my need, not only once, but a second time. And then the mirror says it this way, you helped me several times in Thessalonica. So what do we see? After Paul was kicked out of Philippi, he went to Thessalonica. As he ministered there, the Philippians sent him offerings on two separate occasions. Isn't that amazing? The Philippians were led to give multiple offerings. Why would they be led to do this? The Philippians are connected to Paul's ministry by the Spirit of God. They have received from, the, from him, and they pray for him so, that he, uh, so they are led to give to him. 
How many have noticed this? I remember this years ago, and I'm going to close with this, but I remember this years ago when I was in prayer school, we'd go, I'd go every week to prayer school. When I was down at Ramey, you say, what is prayer school? It's where you go and pray and learn how to pray. So we did this for, for years. I, I was involved in prayer school. And I remember going there, and I remember listening to the different stories that the teachers would tell. I remember Doug Jones shared one time, one of our teachers there, he shared about when he was over prayer school and what he did. And that one time they began to pray for different nations of the world. They felt like the Spirit of God wanted to begin to pray for different nations of the world. Keep in mind, obviously, this is a Bible school. People are coming from all over the world and they're going back out into all the world. And there was one particular lady that he uh, prayed with and she really had a burden for this particular, I think it was a European uh, place in Europe somewhere. I don't know exactly where. But anyway, in Europe somewhere. And she would pray. She had such a burden to pray for there. And she'd pray for there and pray for there. And she'd pray for the people. And she'd pray pastors into that place. And she'd pray. We need people like this again in the church. You know what I mean? And people called it Old Lyme Pentecostal. They call it all sorts of things. But really, there are people that are anointed to just get on their knees for hours a day. I'm talking about hours. If you have the time to do it. There was a lady years ago, and I'm going to get back to my other story, but hang on to it. Just hang it. Just put it there, okay? I'm going to switch over to this one now. You ready? Okay. You with me? All right. We're switching books. We're just switching books, but they're all picture books, so you'll be good. All right. So, Brother Hagin talked about a little old Pentecostal lady that nobody knew about, but everywhere this little old lady went, she prayed, I think it was something like eight hours a day or six hours. Three or four hours, whatever, we'll just call it six, okay, just to make people, no, we'll call it eight, just to make people nervous. All right, so it was eight hours a day. It was four hours in the morning and then four hours in the evening when she, before she went to bed. And it did not matter where she was, and he actually said this, which made no sense to me. But she was actually at a luncheon or some sort of church function where they were eating dinner. She just excused herself, went into another room, put newspaper down on the floor. I do not understand the newspaper on the floor. And would kneel on the newspaper and just begin to pray where she just excused herself from the party. And start praying. And he said he watched Pentecostal churches spring up all over Texas. Spirit-filled churches spring up all over Texas. And nobody knew this lady, but she would pray in people and pastors and teams. People would be, you know, off doing whatever they're doing, Bible school, whatever it is, feel called to ministry. I don't know all the details, but the Lord would begin to deal with this little old lady about praying these things out. And she would pray out these ministers and ministries, and they begin to land in different places, and, begin, and God's kingdom would grow and grow and grow. See, you don't always have to go. You can just get on your knees and go. So then go back to the other story. Now, this little old lady, she was praying for Europe and praying for Europe and praying for Europe. Guess where she ended up? In Europe. Why? Because your heart is connected to what you pray for. Guess what else is connected to? I don't have my wallet. But guess what else is connected to your heart? Your money. Where your treasure is, there your... People say, oh, no, 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 I don't believe that. I say, give me your wallet. And I'll bet your heart will go with me wherever I go. Give me your money. Give me your house. And don't tell me you won't wonder what I'm doing. So this is what Paul is saying here. 
He said, you gave yourself to the Lord, and you're so given over to the Lord. And he said, Paul, I want you to support Paul. And they said, Lord, how much? And he said, this much. And they said, Lord, that'll wipe us out. And he said, and beyond your ability, give. Now, you have to grow in faith to that point. You understand what I'm saying? I'm not telling you all to empty your checking accounts. Just keep your money where it is. But know God and fellowship with him and let him, he'll put his finger on some, and you'll think, that doesn't really mean that much to me. And then he'll go, give that to so-and-so, and you'll go, but Lord, it's my favorite one. <laughs> Just keep praying about it. See what he does. Your heart will change, which is what matters. God will give you 10 of your favorite thing. He doesn't care, as long as it doesn't own you. Amen? couple more things here. The Philippians, in turn, gave of their material and moral support to Paul, having received and acted on the message of good news that they had heard. Generally, generally, local churches that are truly evangelistic will also be strong missionary churches, both local and foreign. Philippi must have been that kind of church. Even when Paul ministered in Thessalonica, which we see in Acts chapter 17, the Philippian believers allowed their ministry to advance beyond their own geographic borders and assisted the apostle in his activities among the Thessalonians. During that period of time in Thessalonica, Paul faced very trying circumstances, no doubt being able to depend upon the Lord using the Philippians to help him must have meant a lot to him. You don't realize what uh, you know, sometimes people support ministries, you know, at, at 20 bucks a month or, you know, things like that. You don't realize what that does. It's important. It's so important. And people say, oh, no, it's not that big of a deal. But again, I have to say this to you. What about 20 bucks a month over 30 years? Come on, you've got to think bigger. Think bigger. Let the word of God break those barriers down. Well, I've never given 100 bucks. Well, give 500. To what? To whatever the Lord tells you to. Well, I, I, I don't even have 20 bucks. What do you have? Because if what you do have you hang on to, that's all you'll ever have. But if you sow a seed, you can have a harvest. Well, Lord, my standard is 50 bucks. That's what I give, and that's all I ever give. And people say, well, what will happen? You'll harvest off $50 seeds. What did Paul say? If you sow, you'll reap. But if you sow, come on, nobody likes the second half. Oh, they, I shouldn't say that. They don't really like the sow bountifully part, but they love the reap bountifully. You know what a lot of people want to do? Sow sparingly and reap bountifully. They want to skip out on the middle part, you know? But see, it's, it, if you really look at it correctly, it's a progression. Sow sparingly, reap sparingly, but you're reaping a multiplication. Which means what? You can then sow bountifully. There's no offering tonight. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I, I've, I gave up years ago trying to get money out of people's wallets. You, you ain't going to do nothing unless God speaks to you anyway. And even then, a lot of people will do 
but they'll sit back and tell you how prophetic they are. Is it Wednesday? I feel fire in me. I just can feel it moving through me. I feel like God's saying, Sean, in Billings, I'd like to break open. I'd like to jump out like I have in other places. I'm going to share a prophetic word with you. And I know I said I'd quit. But it's innocence because my tongue is controlled by him, not me. So anyway, think about this. Think about, hold on, hold on. Think about this. God wants to break out in this area. Do you know years ago, uh, oh, what year was it that we were in Dan and Erica's apartment praying for youth camp for Ramah? 2001? 2000. Okay, we'll say, we'll say 21 years ago. We'll say 20 and a half years ago to be safe. So me and, you know, Hope Family Church, everybody, we support them. Dan and Erica Owings, that's Erica is Heidi's sister. And so Dan... And me and Heidi were, and Erica are all serving in youth at Rama. We're serving as youth leaders. And we would take our vacation time to go do camp. Why? I didn't have extra money. But what did I sow during that time? And money. Because I could have taken my vacation pay and gone and done what I what It's my vacation, God. So... <laughs> I know you understand this, Mike. I know you do. I'm, I'm not preaching to Mike. I've watched Mike do this stuff for years, Mike and Jody both. And I know many of you have. But I can only give the examples that I know. So if you want to write out a book of what you've done, I'll go ahead and use it in the example section. Okay, so anyway, <laughs> I've watched Terry and Susan, my in-laws, do this for years in different things. Take money that's been given to them or extra and just punk. I mean chunks at a time. I'm like, ooh, you know, we could put that in an investment. And we did. They did. Now watch. We're praying, and we're praying in the Spirit. We're praying in tongues, man. We're praying for the meeting. We're praying for the youth. Man, we want the fire of God. The kids need deliverance. They're, you know, they have depression. They have drug addiction. They, there's going to be kids that are going to be born again and spirit-filled for the first time. They're going to be healed. They're going to experience the joy of the Lord, the laughter of God, all of these things that we're praying. And all I can do is pray for Billings. I'm like, God, I don't know if you know this, but this prayer meeting is about youth camp. <laughs> we have it in our calendars written down with reminders. And God, I don't know if you know this, but you're supposed to be giving me a Holy Ghost. Look, you're not connecting with the Father like you should. We, <laughs> we, <laughs> it's supposed to be, <laughs> it's supposed to be this, you know, Lord, I need to pray out the youth. I need, and all I can pray for is Billings. And you know what the Lord said to me? And I'm going to declare it in the name of Jesus right now. He said to me, he said, Sean, just like there's a hub in Texas and a hub in Oklahoma and a hub. And he started naming off and he was giving me picture of these ministries that are in these places. He said, I want a hub in Billings, Montana. Hey, glory to God. I'm like, hub, what is that? I don't even know what that means. You know, and me being way to jump into it early, the Lord makes me wait 20 years. 
And I found out, I was listening to Brother Hagin the other day, and I figured out why. He said, because he was prophesying to a group, and this had nothing to do with me, but I'm just listening to one of his teachings. And in the middle of it, he starts prophesying to the group. How many have ever heard a teaching like that? And all of a sudden, that prophetic word that was done in 1978 becomes your prophetic word. Because you know why? God knows who's going to listen in 2021 when he records it in 1978. He doesn't care. That word becomes your word. All of a sudden, he begins to speak. He begins to share. He begins to prophesy. And it just triggers inside of you. The dream shall come to pass just as I've spoken it. And I'm listening going, oh my goodness. And then he made this statement, and this is why I had to wait 20 years, and I'm still not done growing, but he said, some of you mentally are still a teenager, and you need to be developed more, so I'm waiting on you. You're not waiting on me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, this is awesome. God just called me a mental midget. You know what I mean? I'm, <laughs> he called me immature. Sorry, that's not politically correct. But you understand what I'm saying. It's out there now, isn't it? There it goes. <laughs> it's on the internet. It's already out there. Facebook is going to censor me. <laughs> oh. In other words, I have to grow mentally, develop spiritually. There are some things that are just going to take time. But we're here, and God's going to do it. He's doing it. And we're just going to, we gave ourselves to the Lord, and we give ourselves to whoever he tells us to give ourselves to, and we go. Well, I don't really, you know, our personalities just don't exactly mesh. I don't see where God cares. Honestly, why do you think all those love scriptures are in there? I mean, if you, if you put me and Mike at the front of something as lead horses, we will pull you in two different directions. I mean, I'm talking about if we are both going after something. Why? Because he has his way and I have my way. And we're both leads. So there are times where the leads have to go, mm, no, I'm getting behind you. Have you ever done this because you know I'm just not going to pull? I'm just going to get behind you right now because this is where God has you leading and I need to follow. And then there are other times where it's the other way. Come on, have you ever done this before? You have and you don't even know it. You've done it at work. <laughs> Why? It's, it has nothing to do with... Uh, it's not natural, it's spiritual. As long as your understanding is in the right place, God will put some of the strongest... Now you think about it. I think about this sometimes. Have you ever watched Kenneth Copeland, Jesse Duplantis, Jerry Savelle, and Creflo Dollar work together? You know they all have multi-million dollar international ministries. And yet they all come together and just flow together. You, 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 actually, you don't actually think they don't have different opinions on things. Of course they do. What do they do? They, they've given themselves to God so they know their position under a person. Does that make sense? 
Do you know your position under a person because you're submitted to God? Because what is in you will never fully develop until you do that. It'll never come. I know we just came off meetings, and I know I'm way over. But I'm over into something now. We just came off those uh, meetings, those Holy Ghost meetings with Pep. And there are lots of prophetic words. You know the prophetic word will not come to pass unless the character and the submission is in place? It will not. People say, oh no, the Lord spoke it. The Lord has spoken how many prophetic things that people have not followed through on. Just read your Bible. You can find plenty of times where people said, no, God, I'm doing it. How about Saul? God had chosen him and his family. And what did he do? He threw it for his own desire and personal insecurities. And don't think God doesn't have somebody else. He does. Every time John Mark abandons, Silas will show up. Whether it's me or you, it doesn't matter. Silas will show God, I remember Pastor Gale, so smart. He's so, just years of wisdom in being in a pastoral position. He, we, we, we were over there at Freedom Church. <laughs> I got to quit. But you're really pulling. So we were over there at Freedom Church and serving under him. And we'd have people get upset and leave. And people, get, and, I, and I understand. I mean, I, I don't, just whatever. I just got tired of all the drama. So I decide, decided that uh, I was no longer going to live in the church world of, you know, uh, soap opera church world. So I quit. I kept having people trying to get me to undercut him and, you know, all this stuff. And I'm like, look. God told me, I gave myself to God, and he told me to be here. I guess you'll figure you out. But I know what I'm supposed to do. And until I'm released, it stays. Well, it's not fair. I don't know what to say. Okay. Uh, what did you say about the word fair? Yeah. <laughs> Where is it fair, right? And he, he looked at me, because I used to think, I used to get afraid. I'd think, man, if these people leave, you know, and I, I had all these natural fears that were trying to just work in me concerning ministry, and they get, these got worked out of me during this time. It was great. It was hell, but it was great. You say, how? Because it just, it beats the snot out of you, but in a good way. It just gets all the... You know, you just, it's not that you don't care because you care for people. It's just you don't carry their care. And so, and so I'm, I'm sitting there in his office and we're like, okay, so this is happening. And so you got to adjust and you got to figure out how you're going to tell people, you know, that this person who's in leadership or whatever is leaving and not make them look bad, but help people stick with the vision of what God's given to a place, right? He said, John, he looked at me, he goes, he said, John. Do you know how many times people have left this church and told me that it was going to go under? I said, no. He said, for years, people have said it. And he looked at me, and this is the next words out of his mouth. God's not going to let it go under. It may change leadership. It may change person, personnel. But God is not looking to close down churches. 
I mean, it has to be serious if it's going to go down. And it has to be more serious than people's feelings got hurt. I said, it has to be more serious than just my emotions and my feelings got tangled. Way more serious. God will do what? Mark will leave and guess. So when I left, you know, in my natural thinking at times, I thought, you know, and it's such arrogance. For a little bit there, I thought, how's this place going to go on without me? It's just pride, just stupid pride. And the Lord actually spoke to me, and he said, Sean, they'll go on without you. They're my kids. I'll take care of them. <laughs> Light bulb. Those of you that have kids and watch cartoons, you get that joke. All right, so <laughs> you get the joke, all right? So in other words, what? I'm not holding this up. If Mark leaves, and I, my situation was not a Mark leaving, okay, so that I fulfilled what God called me to do. It was on good terms. And, but what I, finishing it, if, Mar, if I leave, who comes behind me? Silas, Silas comes. My goal is not to be John Mark. <laughs> not Mark Dunn, John Mark. <laughs> Mark Dunn doesn't leave. <laughs> he stays put. Steady she goes. Do you see it? Do you get it? Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.